This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Forget the frustration of picking commerce platforms when you switch your business to Shopify, the global commerce platform that supercharges your selling wherever you sell. With Shopify, you'll harness the same intuitive features, trusted apps, and powerful analytics used by the world's leading brands. Sign up today for your $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash tech, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash tech. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Can I make a difference if I don't even know how? Pay attention so I know my rights. Education's gonna change the cycle. Okay, now let me start to tell y'all all about taxes. How much do you pay? Well, that depends on your bracket. Stay in bed on the same thing. Link up. Me and you, you and me. Link up. Chris Nee, the award-winning creator and executive producer of Doc McStuffins and Vampirina, has reteamed with Barack and Michelle Obama to make We the People a new series of 10 animated music videos that contain empowering U.S. civics lessons. Debuting July 4th on Netflix, the series brings many talents together with music performed by artists such as Kristen Anderson Lopez and Robert Lopez, Lin-Manuel Miranda, Andra Day, Adam Lambert, and poet Amanda Gorman. To preview the series, today we're joined by Chris Nee, along with three of the series' directors. Jorge Gutierrez, who helmed the episode titled Immigration, Trisha Gum, the episode on the Bill of Rights, and Mabel Yee, the episode on the First Amendment. Yee is an artist and short filmmaker who's worked at studios including Cartoon Network, Sony Pictures Animation, and Netflix Animation. Gum, whose credits include head of story on the Lego Batman movie, is currently at Netflix directing and co-writing an original animated film. And Gutierrez is the director of 2014 animated feature, The Book of Life, and upcoming Netflix series, Maya and the Three. I'm Carolyn Jardina. Welcome to The Hollywood Reporter's Behind the Screen. Hi, everyone. Thanks so much for joining me. Hi. Great to be here. Hi. Hi, Carolyn. (laughs) So, Chris, um, this project you could describe as a modern take on Schoolhouse Rock, um, but would you begin with describing the genesis of the idea and your inspirations? 
I mean, my whole career is a series of choices of figuring out how to make my work during the day help me sleep better at night. Um, and the last couple of years have been really dark and tough. And um, I'm a bit of a civics geek to begin with. And uh, as I watched what has happened in our country, I have felt a strong sense that we no longer had a common language to talk about civics and about governance and understand that civics is not a partisan conversation. Um, and I think we have allowed ourselves to believe that we don't have power. Uh, and, I, and I think there are forces trying to make us believe we don't have power. Uh, and I, I believe that, that the superpower of animation and songs uh, could potentially remind kids at the ages of 14 to 18 that they are um, active parts, active citizens, and, and they can drive the ship of this country if they get involved. Uh, and so that's, that was really the impetus was selfish. I needed to feel like I was doing something um, about what I was seeing uh, in the news every day. Well, it's it's a it's a really smart idea, and obviously other people thought so too because uh, you got a lot of people involved, including um, your executive producers, um, President and Michelle Obama. How did they get involved? Uh, I had the audacity to ask, I suppose. Um, <laughs> I, I I was at a a, a dinner party uh, at a think tank weekend, um, so very la di da. And I walked over to talk to Norman Lear, who I've known for a couple of years, and say, "God, we've got to start talking about civics. How are we going to do this?" And Kenya was there, Kenya Barris, and um, who is also an executive producer on this. Exactly, and we were both about to uh, start at Netflix, and um, by the end of it, we that night we were like, "We're going to change." the world. And of course, you think that is just a cocktail party chatter. But within the first week of arriving at Netflix, we were meeting in his office and talking about what the scope of it could be. And very soon after the announcement had come out that the Obamas were coming to Netflix, and it seemed like, why wouldn't we ask? Um, and we did. And they said yes. And they were very, very hands-on partners from the beginning, both the production company, um, Priya and Ada and Tonya, but also the president, the first lady. The president was hands-on involved in picking the topics. Uh, he came up with the idea of doing an active citizen piece. He's the one who said, let's age it up. Um, so, you know, couldn't, could, couldn't ask for more. It also opens a lot of doors to have the Obamas. Now, now, how did it did it work? Did you start with the composers, or did you start with the directors, or did everyone come together uh, to create their own? We uh, the first thing that happened was creating a list of the ten topics, and that was done with the president, um, with two civics teachers and two professors, uh, and and it, you know once we had the ten topics, we were also working on creating a, a list of ten directors who represented we the people. We wanted um, ten different animation styles. Uh, we wanted 50% men, 50% women, LGBTQ, um, all different uh, uh, diversity in every way of thinking about animation, including having, uh, you know, a Peter Ramsey, Trisha Gum, uh, Jorge Gutierrez, and also having up-and-comers uh, like Mabel working on the project and Victoria Vincent. Um, so that was all very intentional. How we paired each thing, the music went first, and it was church and state between uh, the music and the animation. And each one kind of came about in a different way. Lin-Manuel Miranda was the first one in, and we let him choose, and it was two years ago. And Balance of Power felt very relevant at that moment. Um, Brandi Carlisle, her whole life and career is about 
uh, speaking out and using her voice. So First Amendment made a lot of sense. In terms of animation, the only one that I knew who I wanted to do what topic was Jorge and immigration. And that was because I had run into him on the day that he had his ceremony um, where he became a U.S. citizen. So he had just gone through the immigration process. And uh, and so it felt really personal. And obviously, personal is always better. Right. Um, would you tell our listeners some of the um, the composers and some of the artists who are involved? Sure. Uh, we have Lin-Manuel Miranda, Adam Lambert. We have her. We have Janelle Monet, Corday, Kyle, uh, Bibi Rexa, Brandi Carlisle, David Diggs, Brittany Howard, uh, Adam Lambert. I mean, it's an, it's, <laughs> you know, the list goes on. <laughs> one, the list goes on and on. And, and, and I, you, you can't start a project thinking you're going to get this scope of musical artists involved. And then in terms of the animation artists, uh, you know, Peter Ramsey, Jorge Gutierrez. Right. And again, Peter being, uh, he, he won an Oscar a few years ago for Spider-Man into did. the Spider-Verse. And, uh, yeah. Yeah. And look, getting someone like Peter involved, he was extremely busy at the time um, and fighting his schedule was a was a process. But I knew he cared deeply about politics, about civics, about where the country was headed. And um, and then honestly, we got the her song in and Peter was just in the process of doing the like slow uh, you know, I love the project, but I don't have time. And I could feel, I knew that was happening. And, uh, and so I said, can you, can I just have three minutes of your time? I'm going to send you a song. And I sent him the her song. And 10 minutes later, I got a text. I said, I'm in. And, and I knew that that song was going to, was going to move him in that direction. And that kind of broke it open a lot of things about the entire, uh, process. Well, let's talk about some of these episodes. Mabel, why don't we start with yours, um, The First Amendment and the song Speak Your Mind. Would you tell us about the the music and the uh, the look of the animation that you wanted to, uh, to apply to this project? For sure, yeah. So when um, Chris actually brought me on, she showed me this demo Brandy had done, and it was an incredibly stripped-down, analog, raw demo. And I really wanted to capture that feeling visually. Um, and normally I already draw quite uh, texturally. I try to keep things very spontaneous. So I figured uh, to keep the visual style textural and very analog feeling, keep the crew small as well. So it's a bit of an indie production. The, the look was very sort of like traditional. So as opposed to doing a lot of backgrounds digitally, uh, we went for pencil. The animation style isn't super, it's not like super perfect or really on model, which I was actually pushing for. Um, basically something very authentic and very genuine to sort of capture the kind of raw energy that Brandy had in her song. The, f the First Amendment, it, it encompasses a lot, you know, f uh, five really important freedoms. And um, the song that Brandy had written it's this beautiful song that covers everything, basically. And I kind of wanted to create this sort of visual journey and highlight kind of a narrative story of this character becoming a catalyst for to inspire the rest of people to kind of rise up. And it's, a, it's a, almost like a visual journey of self-expression, if you will. So um, I feel like throughout the short, just to see people slowly open up and voice themselves, wear what they want, write what they want and just take to the streets is uh, really liberating to see. 
Yeah, I mean, this song, when it came in, um, just blew me away. It felt like Dylan for our time. And, uh, and you know, for a long time, I was walking around with the with this track on, on my phone. And it was around the same time that the George Floyd protests were happening. And, uh, and it, it, I wasn't the only person. There were people in the Obama team as well. We would go to these protests and think this song is all about uh, how important it is that we get out on the streets and that we have the right to assemble um, and the right to speak out. And we couldn't wait for the song to, I mean, I hope we don't have another a moment where it is so important for us to take to the streets, but I imagine that we will. And, and I'm excited for this song to match that. Um, and Mabel, for me, it was such a perfect, uh, the song is so analog and her style is so analog. Um, and they were just a perfect marriage. And it is, it is just such a beautiful, beautiful piece of animation. Well, let's listen to a clip from the song Speak Your Mind. Speak your mind, you're not too young, you know the future's in your hands no religion man or leader can keep you from this stand of all the wonders both natural and built skyscrapers to mountain peaks yeah none are permitted to silence you here long live the freedom of speech Let's move on to immigration. Um, Jorge, the song is American Citizen, and in this, uh, the animated characters from different com countries are seen dancing and passing the American flag from one character to the next. Tell us about the, the song and the inspiration for uh, the idea. I, you know, the, the big inspiration was uh, becoming a U.S. citizen and going to, through that whole process. And then the day you become, uh, you know, you swear in, we were surrounded by people from all over the world, all different ages. Uh, and then when you walk out after you, you've, you've sworn to become a citizen, everybody's families are there. And people are wearing, a lot of them are wearing traditional outfits from the countries they're from. And everybody's waving uh, flags. And yeah, I had, I had seen this, you know, in, in footage of Ellis Island. And I had seen, I guess I had seen it, but... Being a part of it really affected me and it affected my wife, Sandra. And we were there with our son. And that's Sandra Ikiwa, who was the character designer with you on this project. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Sa Sandra Ikiwa, my, my, literally my muse and, and my collaborator, uh, she designed and all the And your wife. And your wife. That's just a technicality, <laughs> the wife part. <laughs> that's just a piece of paper. Uh, uh, she she designs all the female characters, and I, I I usually design all the male male characters. And we you know we collaborate a lot, and we fight a lot, right? We're Mexican. The, the fight is the passion. Uh, and so uh, living through that experience really hit hard, and really hit hard this idea that look at how look at how lucky this country is to have people from all over the world bring their culture here and bring the goodness here and bring everything that's great about where they're from. And then look at how lucky we are to be in a country that accepts people like this and that mixes all these delicious flavors from all over the world. So that became the inspiration. Uh, there's 50 countries representing the 50 stars in the flag. And this idea that the people are, are coming to literally coming to America uh, but they're not coming by themselves. They're bringing all that culture and all those experiences with them. And they're bringing the best of the world. 
So that was the, the big inspiration. And we, we got to highlight the things we saw. We saw families. We saw people from the military. We saw older, older people who their kids brought them over. Uh, we saw people of all kinds. All We saw you all and fades. Sandra. <laughs> and then we got to put ourselves there. We got to put our son in there. Uh, and, you know, I, I always joke that I'm like the most Mexican of Mexicans, right? Like you, you, cut, you cut my veins and tequila comes out. So for me to become a U.S. citizen, it was, it was a huge deal. It was a huge, huge deal. Uh, and Chris really hit me at a point where, honestly, between all of us and all the listeners, I should not have done this video because I was so swamped. But Chris, no, and you actually said to me, you were like, I cannot do this. And then you sat down, you came over and you sat down next to me and you said, but I must do this. <laughs> <laughs> and I was like, yep, I figured you would. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's tough to say no to Chris. And, and, and especially when it's something like this and when, and when the intent is so passionate and so, especially for the times we were living in, a lot of times in animation, we complain like, well, what are we, the stuff we do, how do we help? This is how we help. So it, it was a it was an obvious yes. So I I uh, uh, I will be eternally thankful. You know, I showed it to my parents, uh, and they were they were in awe. Like they made me stop on every one and explain because there's a lot of Easter eggs throughout. Uh, you know, in the, the, for example, the French one is really inspired by the French New Wave and the characters based on Amelie. Like there's just every country there's there's all these Easter eggs in there. And you also included real life people into them too. That was the other big thing, the, this idea that there's a lot of very, very important people, you know, scientists and astronauts and musicians and chefs and, and people from all over the world who came from other countries and became U.S. citizens. So we wanted to highlight some of them uh, and also sort of, you know, acknowledge that you don't have to be a famous person to come here. <laughs> it, it, it's, it's everybody. So that was that was a big part of it. And we did a lot of research. And sure enough, we found a lot of, you know, for example, I'm a Van Halen fan. I did not know Eddie Van Halen was uh, born in the Netherlands. Like the, the little things like that. Uh, so we got to honor him, uh, which was great. But yeah, it's been, it was, it was a, the research made the project not only really, really enjoyable, but I, I feel, I feel like it really changed my perception of who, who America is as a country and how constantly evolving it is so that that was great and um do you want to also talk a bit about the uh the musical collaboration so we, when we started uh baby hadn't hadn't uh, been officially signed so we were working off of a temp track uh and the whole time I, I, I literally was like, please, 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 whoever, whoever ends up being the final singer, I really hope they don't change the tempo and I really hope they don't change the song because we timed to that original demo. And sure enough, when she finally recorded, uh, and, you know, and by the way, you know, her parents are Albanian immigrants, so she too is a, is a product of immigration. Uh, it was phenomenal and it was, it was even better than we had hoped and... Uh, I, I do regret we did not have an, uh, an Albania uh, postcard in there to honor her family and honor her her background. Uh, but it, it was it was fantastic. And, you know, I, just like Chris, like I'm obsessed with the song now. I play it all the time. My son listens to it. Like it's just a part of our family and a part of our life. 
Yeah, it's such an extraordinary song. And and the crazy thing about that is that you feel like it's a song that you could hear in a club, and yet it has all of this dense information about the responsibilities and the rights that come with becoming a U.S. citizen. And, and you know, it's a song that, 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 that makes me get very teary when I listen to it, because I can imagine that the end of ceremonies, like the one that Jorge went through, that's going to play in these halls. Like I, I can sort of picture that for the future. Um, and it was interesting because I really thought that Jorge was going to sort of do a depiction of what that day was for him. And what I love working with the, the best of the best artists and, and my whole philosophy, which is find the right people. Don't tell them what to do. Uh, let them come to you and tell them what they're inspired to do. And that's where you'll get your best work. And I loved that he actually came back with something that wasn't at all what I had pictured he would do with it, uh, which wasn't so much a detailing of that day, but um, but him finding like the the spirit and the essence of what was joyful about it. Um, and, and I think overall, I've been amazed with all of these, both the songs and the animation, to find people finding joy in this, um, in, in, you know, in something that was being created in somewhat dark times. Um, and it was super important to us that it felt positive because that's the idea, is that I think for a lot of kids, they look at the world right now and they go, you're handing us this? I'm out, you know, like, why would I get involved? And, and to actually say, if you get involved, you can change it. Um, and how important that is. So, uh, but, but boy, each one of these people, I think we're all doing what we do because we actually know how to bring joy and passion to, to, to the, to the screen. And everyone found, uh, that place, even in the darkest of times. Let's move on to Trisha. Uh, Trisha, your piece is The Bill of Rights, and the song is These Are Your Rights. Tell us about the music and inspiration for that one. Well, um, Chris played me the song, and I was immediately, I went home, and I was like, gosh, I Chris didn't even know this, but I was like very inspired by the fact that this is an old document, and I'm a cut paper artist, so I was just like, this is naturally picked for me. Uh, it was just like a beautiful kind of um, piece that I was like, okay, I, what I want to share is the positive message that I know that Chris was set out to do of like, how do we inspire the next generation of active citizens, right? And so I just, I thought about it, and I was like, the document, the actual physical document, the Bill of Rights, feels feels old to us you know it's like an old document but it still relates to us and affects our lives every day so how do i make that come to life on screen and i just really was inspired by the fact that like okay what if this what if this document actually did come to life and became a human form and you know we see it represented in like all of us so that was really kind of my inspiration was really the actual physical document and, and watching it kind of come to life and morph and transform and change and kind of take on the, um, the actual points of the Bill of Rights, the actual amendments. So that was the inspiration. Now, where was this animated? 
Uh, this was animated at Buck, um, and they were amazing collaborative partners. They were really inspired by the textural quality of the paper and like what we could do with making like graffiti art and stickers and paper and all that kind of come to life. So they were fantastic collaborators, and it was really fun working with them. Yeah, we actually had two studios. Uh, one was Buck and the other was Titmouse. Um, so Mabel and Jorge worked with Titmouse and, and Trisha and several of the other artists worked with Buck, which were, you know, it was amazing to work at both houses. Um, and they brought really different animation styles to, uh, to the project. Trisha, do you want to introduce this one, uh, the performers on it? And yeah, I mean, it was written by the Lopez's um, and their lyrics were... I, I'm amazed at their storytelling, how much information and like wittiness they got into um, teaching us about the Bill of Rights. And um, it's performed by Adam Lambert. But that was the first song we got in. And, and I remember thinking like, oh, this in 30 years, people are going to remember what the Fourth Amendment is or learn it for the first time because of this song. Like there's so much information in there and it's so catchy and like it really is going to take you through that process. And Trisha, you know, your the, the, the art style that you brought to it is so amazing. And what I love is that it actually starts with kind of the textbook and then crosses out the old white guy. Um, which I think is what we're so used to hearing the the story of civics through a very old and singular lens. And part of what this project is, is saying, um, you know, this is lived civics. Civics is still going on. It's a story that's still being told. And actually, there are a ton of voices and perspectives that we never heard when we were learning about civics from our textbooks. And they're still happening right now. And, and this project is also about saying um, there isn't just one point of view. Uh, we're all here telling the great story of this country. And, uh, and hopefully kids will get involved to, to keep telling it into the future. Now, Jorge briefly touched on the research, but Chris, could you elaborate on the amount of research that went into the project throughout? Sure. Um, we worked with two high school uh, civics teachers who wrote briefs. We had two professors um, who were double checking everything. And then most importantly, um, at the end of getting all of our documents together. So basically for every song, we would make a brief that was two to four pages, just a sort of primer in case you've forgotten the basics. And of course, to take that information into a three minute song, that's the superpower of songwriters. Um, and it, you know, you couldn't necessarily get all of it in there. Uh, but then those briefs would go to uh, to D.C. and ultimately to the Obamas um, to put their eyes on it. And there were actually one or two places where it was President Obama who would look at a lyric and go like, that's not actually true. Um, you know, uh, or, you know, or that's the that's the basic idea. But um, so so having them at the end of the line was both relieving and challenging in the in the best possible way. And what about all of you? Did were were you all talking to each other and sharing ideas during the process? I wish. <laughs> uh, I, I, don't, I don't think I got to see. I mean, I would run into Mabel because we were in the same building every once in a while, and then same thing with Trish. I'd run into you at lunch, and Chris, yeah. I got to see a, a, a lot more. Uh, but honestly, a lot of my research was Uber. I I, uh, I would take Ubers to work every day, and if the driver had an accent, I would ask them, 
where are you from? And how did you get here? And obviously a lot of people were like, are you a cop? And I was like, look at me, do I look like a cop? Uh, and then they tell me their story. And that became, to me, that was a lot of the research was just hearing real people tell me their story. And everybody's story is incredible. It's, it was amazing. One of the other things you guys did on that piece, Jorge, that was so amazing is that you went out of your way to find um, recent immigrants uh, to work on it so that people were animating sections that related to their background. It was a group of people who were super passionate about it. Um, one of the most important people on our process, on our project, our, our, um, production, uh, manager, uh, is getting ready for her test in this particular episode. She's always like, I'm going to be ready because I worked on this project, um, for her, for her immigration test. Yeah. We, we uh, Titmouse really was flexible. And we said, hey, could we, obviously 50 different animators from all over the world to animate their specific country was impossible. But we really were able to go, hey, do you have anybody, you know, for example, who's Greek American or an Armenian American or, or anybody, uh, could we hire a guy in Colombia to animate the Colombian one? And sure enough, we were able to do that. Uh, so when you see the credits for, for that specific piece, there's literally people all over the world. And that was another big inspiration, meeting with them and then seeing the, their country behind them in Zoom was a, a, literally the video coming to life. So it was kind of amazing. I will also say that a lot of people who protect Jorge's time were like, you can't say yes, you can't say yes. And then he said yes. And then he came in and was like, and by the way, we're going to do like 102 characters. And I was like, I didn't ask him to create 100 and some odd characters. That's not on me. That's on him. <laughs> It's true. <laughs> well, it's a pro it's appropriately coming out in time for July 4th, but um when when did you actually start talking about this? What was the timetable for the project? I started working on it almost 2 years ago, but it was it was like around 2018 uh was when I went to this uh dinner party. For a long time I'd been saying like god, I wish I could figure out a way to talk about civics. It seems super important, but I I just didn't know what the answer was to make that happen. Um and so it's but it's been about a 2-year journey uh really working in depth with with all of these incredible people. Um and and Netflix was just in from the beginning and in no matter how much the whole process expanded and primarily because once the Obamas were on board and we were able to open doors to uh, to really just like people like Janelle Monet, um, to her, uh, to Lynn, to all of these animators, you know, and then at the very end, like everyone else, we watched the inauguration and we saw a voice of this generation. Um, but when you're working with the Obamas, suddenly you have Amanda Gorman um, also joining you and and things like that. <laughs> Well, let, let's talk about that one a little bit. So one of the episodes is, is um, Amanda reciting a poem. Yeah, so, um, you know, the day after the inauguration, one of the producers from, um, from Higher Ground, which is the Obama's company, who has been, you know, here day to day uh, as a partner in this project, and I were texting and we were both like, <laughs> she said, I have this idea. And I was like, I think I know what it is. And I really did think I knew what it was, which was the idea that we would that we would bring Amanda in. It was so last minute and animation is for the patient. It is a very slow process. Um, so it was nearly, it was a crazy idea that we could even get a 10th piece done in that amount of time. Um, but Mrs. Obama happened to be meeting with Amanda and she asked her and Amanda said yes. And within two weeks we were in recording um, a piece 
And it is so beautiful and it is such a gorgeous way to end this, um, uh, this whole project is a moment of just take coming back down from all of these sort of radio play club songs that, that have all this information and it comes back and just reminds us of this very pure moment we're in where I think nobody misses that we need to do something different in this country. We must change. Um, no matter what your political point of view is, we have to change what, what what's happening right now isn't working. And her voice of clarity saying, we have been through a storm and it's morning and it's time to wake up and get back out there is really a gorgeous way to end the process. You said this started almost two years ago. Would you talk about other ways that the project evolved based on current events? Yeah, I mean, I, I think the biggest part of it evolving was was just that there were so many, we were able to actually attract extraordinary talent. And, you know, it's easy to say it was just because the Obamas were involved, but I also think everybody was looking for ways to, uh, to become active in what felt so intense outside your doors. Uh, I think we were in a moment where everyone was looking for work that could feel energizing. Um, and this project definitely took advantage of that. Um, and, and time and time again, we talked to people and we would ask them to come join this project for which they were not necessarily getting paid their normal rates. Um, you know, it was, a, it was a labor of love for a lot of people. You know, we were asking people who can command whatever. The other big piece was, especially the musicians are very used to having actually a lot of these animators having total control over their pieces. And because we had done this church and state between music and animation, um, we were asking a lot of people to give up control and that probably more than anything. Uh, that was, a, that was a big ask, but because, um, you know, time and time again, we would get in a room and people would say, I just need to do something about what I'm seeing on the streets, what I'm seeing in the news, what the feeling in this country is. And we were giving them a place where they could uh, channel that energy. And, um, and we benefited greatly from that. I wish we hadn't gone through the last two years, but, uh, but I, think we, I think we absolutely benefited from it. Do you want to also touch on how you uh, involved uh, the masks in the uh, sequence where the uh, the woman is having food delivered to her home? Yeah, so in the Amanda Gorman piece, it was interesting because animation in general, I mean, Jorge touched on this for a second, but we don't get to talk about current events because we are the slowest um, process in the entertainment business. So in general, you know, you actually try to not ground your work in anything that feels current because you have no idea what tomorrow's going to be, let alone a year is going to be. You know, most animated uh, features take could take four years, three years, four years, a series, you know, if you're starting on something now, maybe it'll come out in a year and a half. And you don't know what the, as we really know now, you don't know what the world's going to be at that point. And so there had been a lot of hesitancy to sort of ground any of the pieces in right now, this moment. Um, but when we were working on the Amanda Gorman piece, there's a there's a part of the poem where she talks about, uh, you know, a neighbor coming and bringing groceries to an older woman. And when we saw the animation, it was suddenly like, actually, we were in the middle of the pandemic and we all went, <gasps> Why, why is that man approaching that woman and they don't have masks on and they're not, you know, they're not, there's not uh, practicing, you know, distancing. And, um, and so we made the decision to say, look, this is a piece of this time. We also want it to last for a long, long time. But I actually think that the imagery of, of where we are right now will evoke 
a, a period of unrest and it will still matter in six years and 10 years. But when we had that reanimated and suddenly as this man walked up towards this, this older woman on a porch and she put a mask on and then he put a mask on and then he put the groceries round, down rather than handing them to her. It was so visceral and emotional and, um, and felt so exactly right now, but I also think it's gonna feel universal. I, I think it's just a, a moment of a call to action where we were on our knees, which is also what the Janelle Monet song talks about, that we, you know, from those moments where, where we're knocked down, we get so much stronger. And I, and I hope that's the next, um, the end of the story of the last few years is how we get stronger. Thank you so much for taking the time to talk about the project. It was absolutely our pleasure. 